0: Hi, welcome to The Kicker. I'm Kyle Pope, editor and publisher of the Columbia Journalism Review. This week, covering Donald Trump's coronavirus. So the media is now in this odd position of having to write about and report on a critical issue of importance to the country, which is the health state of Donald Trump after his announcement that he tested positive for the coronavirus. He was in Walter Reed Hospital. Now he's out. And there's been obviously a lot of interest in this and there's been a lot of time spent, especially on cable television, but also across the media trying to understand um, what the president's health looks like at a time when the White House has not at all been forthcoming with information about this. And this, by the way, is a phenomenon that dates back decades and decades for presidents and uh, after president where they don't always tell us everything that we want to know about their health. This seems to be more serious because we're in the middle of a pandemic and the president is actively a coronavirus patient. So it it is complicated and it's created all kinds of problems, both for the press and the medical community who is being asked to sort of help the press navigate this. So I want to talk about this and I'm thrilled to be joined today by Chris Tedeschi, who's an associate professor of emergency medicine at Columbia University. Welcome, Chris. Thanks so much for having me, Kyle. It's great to have you. First
1: off, you work in the ER at Columbia? I do, I'm an emergency physician uh, at Columbia University Medical Center in New York City.
0: What is your sense of the coronavirus picture in New York at this moment we're talking on on Thursday?
1: Well, you know, if you had asked me a week ago, uh, I would have had a bit more optimistic viewpoint, I think. But frankly, we're looking at some of the numbers over the last four to five days and seeing a small uptick, uh, at least here in New York, as I'm sure you've heard there are some small pockets of increased uh, incidents of the coronavirus, but I think overall, we're starting to see a small uptick, certainly nothing like we saw a few months ago, but ask me again in a couple of weeks and we'll see where we are. How worried are you? I'm a little bit worried, to be frank. Um, There is certainly a good degree of fatigue over the last several months and we're heading into a colder season with open schools, I think by all means, we're far more prepared than we were the first time around. Mm -hmm. We're bracing for a flu season. We're not quite sure what will happen there. Um, But, you know, I don't think anybody is interested in going through this again. And so all of us, at least in New York City, have a little bit of a PTSD component to it. And we're hoping to mitigate it as much as we can.
0: Yeah,
1: or a lot of PTSD component. I imagine especially four year
0: your colleagues and you who worked who yeah. were there, sort of in the heat of it. Absolutely. So, let's talk about this Trump diagnosis. How much? How much time have you had to watch much of the coverage since he announced his diagnosis?
1: Uh, a little bit, probably not more than than most folks. Um, it's certainly compelling, and it changes every you know every six hours. There's something different.
0: Uh-huh. Um,
1: so, I think I'm probably as as well informed as the next person. And certainly trying to keep on top of the medical story. And has the, I mean, we'll get to what you
0: think about the, about how the press is, has handled itself, but just from what you've heard his doctors saying, does the, does the, does his health picture make sense to you? Do do, do all these, do the, do the components that you've heard fall into place in terms of what you see with, with other coronavirus patients or, or is it seemed to be something sort of a mess?
1: Um, You know, I think it, it makes sense to me probably more than it does make sense to other uh, audience members because there's a, there's an enormous amount of medical sort of decoding that needs to go on. Mm. And so it's really hard to disentangle a lot of the information that's coming out there, especially when there's so much spin and speculation. So I, yeah, no, I think that the, the clinical course that we've seen is is reasonable. You know, for a patient, uh, seventy, you know, a patient in their 70s who's got coronavirus, and the description of the medicines and the clinical course is all uh, makes some sense. Um, but there is an enormous amount of, I think, decoding that needs to go on, and frankly the the degree of forthrightness from the official sources you know namely the president's positions has has left a lot of us open to speculation which is Mm -hmm. um which tends to muddy the waters a little bit Mm -hmm. so you know i think that
0: it's it's in that information vacuum that you see a lot of media sort of coming forward and trying to sort of fill in the gaps that are saying like they're not saying this i mean this it, you know, initially there was this whole back and forth about whether he, he had received oxygen, and then you know why was he getting the steroid he was getting, and how long did his fever last? And I think people were trying to right. sort of connect dots that they weren't getting direct answers from. Um, but what is your sort of what is your as you put on your media critic hat? And you've written, you know, mm-hmm. your, this isn't totally foreign to you. You've written for CJR before, and you have another right. piece on this coming up soon. So right. So now that now you take off. White gown and put on whatever <laughs> Andrew blazer that journalists wear. <laughs> um, what is your sense of how good, how, how well people have done? Yeah. How much they've sort of overstretched? Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's really hard, right? Because there's this overwhelming public need to have good information and, frankly, to have good explanatory journalism revolving around some really complicated topics, right? We're talking about. Uh, a complicated disease that we're still learning about, two or three um, therapies that are new and need explanation, and, you know, a lot of moving parts that require just good explanatory journalism, as, as simple as, you know, what do steroids do? What are the side effects of steroids? And, you know, that question, I think, really set this set this afire because once the steroid um, question came up people really really kind of latched on to this uh, idea that dexamethasone which is the steroid that we use to treat you know covid-19 has lots of really important side effects and lots of those side effects um, can be neurobehavioral and i think the press really ran with that in some de- you know to some degree but there is a lot of confusion regarding, I think, all of these therapies. You know, you mentioned the oxygen um, the oxygen question, and it was fascinating to me, you know, just how big a deal it was as to whether or not, you know, supplemental oxygen was required. Mm-hmm. And sure, that's a, that's a reasonable prognosticator or indicator of just how sick someone is. Um, but, you know, maybe not that much. Lots of people require supplemental oxygen. Mm-hmm. In the, in the heart of the epidemic in New York city, we were sending people home with oxygen. Mm. Um, so it's not so much an indicator of something horrible and terrible. And I think in some ways it was made out to be a little bit like if if that were true, then, oh boy, isn't this bad, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Maybe there was confusion between getting an oxygen and being on the ventilator.
1: That, that's a great question. Um, you know, you're probably right. There probably was, and you know, it may be difficult to make that distinction, and it may be really important to make that distinction. Um, I think you may be right, and ha- have that be a little bit muddled. Um, there is a long, long, long way between being on supplemental oxygen and being put on a ventilator or being mechanically ventilated. Yeah. But you know that's obvious to me and, and my colleagues. But it, it may not be obvious to listeners, and certainly may not be obvious when it's kind of framed as such a dramatic thing. You know. Yeah.
0: I mean, I have a, a actually my college roommate, an ER doctor, and you know uh-huh. he's always telling me he gets tired of like because his friends will call him up and say, well, I have this and this and this. What do you think's wrong with me? And he's like, I have no right, idea. right, I have no idea. And I feel right. the same way about the people on, on television. Um, you know, it's interesting. A, what was it a couple of years ago? There was this whole thing with psychiatrists. Yeah, I'm talking.
1: Right, I'm glad I'm glad you bring it up because we yeah. were talking about out.
0: what what right. what what, what the sort of um, right. mental state of Trump was, and right. they got wrapped on the on the knuckles by their governing body, who said, you know, you can't you can't right. do this, you can't diagnose people you don't know without seeing them. Right.
1: Tell me why yeah. this isn't
0: applying uh, for medical doctors on TV.
1: Well, you know, maybe it should be, and that's that's actually kind of one of the conclusions that I think I'm coming to. You know, back in the back in the late 1960s. Uh, a magazine called Fact Magazine sent out a survey to every psychiatrist in America um, asking for commentary on on Barry Goldwater's mental state. And the replies, you know, from psychiatrists that they got were clearly political, often anonymous, and, you know, wonderfully worded along the lines of, you know, he's psychotic and he's a paranoid schizophrenic. Mm -hmm. And you know, Goldwater actually won the libel suit in that case because these psychiatrists were essentially diagnosing him with mental illness from afar. And so the, the kind of guideline that you're mentioning is actually called the Goldwater um, – I think they called it the Goldwater Rule mm-hmm. uh, that the American Psychiatric Association has stood by since then. And it basically says you shouldn't render a diagnosis on someone you haven't examined uh, and that you don't have permission to. And on the face of it, that's a pretty reasonable um, guideline. You know, your your example about your your friend is is a really relevant one because if someone says, you know, someone says to me at a cocktail party, well, you know, my aunt has this pain and and she, she right. You must I get was, this all, all the time, right? Right, we do get it all the time, and I think that most most physicians, you know, have this gut instinct of, you know, my first reaction to that is, I don't know your aunt, I haven't examined your aunt, and I'm sure as heck not going to, you know, render a diagnosis um, at the cocktail party and say, well, you know, clearly she has a gallbladder problem, um, but in some in some way that is exactly what's happening, uh, and some of the more far flung. Uh, media interviews that we've been seeing with very responsible physicians, mm-hmm. who have have either gone right up to the line or maybe crossed the line in terms of rendering a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of uh, a very prominent emergency physician on CNN said, "You know, I would I would never imply that the president has steroid induced psychosis."
0: Um, mm-hmm.
1: Well, you know, but you just threw it out there, so right. there's definitely there there's something to that. Um, It may be that we need a Goldwater rule for infectious disease doctors, but at the same time, the information is really important. Um, So it's difficult, but that making the personal interpretation um, is really difficult. And I think common sense would dictate that it's probably not reasonable a lot of the time. And and frankly, probably not reasonable um, as an interviewer to egg somebody into it, you know? Uh, I think uh, uh, the, the degree of media savvy, frankly, that a lot of physicians who get asked for comments have is is really bar- variable, you know.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and so I can certain Im- certainly imagine someone being asked the question, you know, well, isn't it true that dexamethasone can make you psychotic? Right. Of course it's true. You know, that's a, it's a known side effect of the medication. Yeah. The way that's framed uh, can suddenly become very political.
0: Yeah, but it's a a tough dilemma to find your way out of, because on the one hand, I don't want Jake Tapper going up there and telling me about um, medical practices. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, I want you and I want other people who have been in your shoes. Um, Right. And
1: that's. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I mean, that's why it's a gray area, because I think asking a responsible physician the question, you know, what are the side effects of steroids? Is a really important question. You know, we know that the President of the United States is being treated with substantial doses of a, of a powerful steroid. Um, that's an important question. There is, however, some line there.
0: So, have you been in the situation of having to treat and then talk about and deal with kind of high profile VIP kind of people? Have you been in this situation of having to deal with the press and the patient?
1: With a with a high profile patient, yeah, uh, I try to avoid it at all costs. <laughs> for this with reason, you. yeah, for this exact reason, uh, I don't know that I want to get muddled into that. You know, uh, I'm happy to offer my background, and I try to offer my you know my in the particular things that I consider myself an expert in. Um, but I don't know that I feel responsible, or frankly smart enough to render a diagnosis for someone that's not my patient. No, no, I meant, I mean, have Um,
0: you, have you treated somebody personally and directly that the press was later interested in their condition that you uh, had to deal with?
1: Yeah, probably over all these years, I'm there. They're certainly, you know, prominent, uh, and, and the people that the press is interested in range from, you know, celebrities from pure, for pure, um, you know, spectacle value to, uh, people with very important positions in in government or industry or business um, or just whose people help in the news decisions. crime victims yeah exactly life. like you know important public figures um, well let me ask you this because I've been
0: dying to I've been dying to ask somebody this question so <laughs> there is this this weird situation where his doctor who is an osteopath we will just leave that right. where it is um, right. you know, he, he said one thing on day one, and then the press kind of came back yeah. to him and were like, you know, you yeah. sort of misled this guy. I mean, this was not right. really what was going on. And he said something like, well, I didn't want to – basically, he was saying, like, I, I wanted to kind of buoy the patient, right? Right. Basically right. what he said. And I didn't want him to hear things that may sort right. of set back the treatment. And it's one thing for the White House doctor to say this, and this White House has had a string of kind of dubious characters on the medical right. side, right. frankly. Um, but then, what was amazing to me is that behind him stood a group of, I assume, very esteemed right professionals from Walter Reed, um, and I was that sort of blew my mind for some reason. Um, well,
1: that that argument, uh, you know, it's been it's been widely reported, you know, that the president is a believer in you know the sort of the power of positive thinking, and uh-huh. so you can certainly make the argument that you don't want to surround someone with negative. Thoughts or negative energy—that's um, kind of a stretch, right? And you know, there's certainly a. But you, a, made, you made, a, but you made,
0: but when you, for, you, you, when you just talked, you made it sound like you sort of understood what they were doing, or you're just trying to trying to explain.
1: Well, you know, you know, you can. No, I mean, I think it's it's it was kind of an absurd argument to make. It comes from sort of this medical principle that you know there are certain very very rare situations in which disclosing information to a patient can actually harm them. No. You know. Right. Um, this is a like an asterisk in the book, much more than something we do every day. And so it's a way to hedge. You know, um, the the other thing that people have talked about a little bit is that group of esteemed physicians, you know, a great majority of them are members of the military. And this is yeah. the commander in chief that we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, you, you would like to think that the doctor patient relationship supersedes that relationship supersedes that. Um, but you know, what goes on behind closed doors is, is more complicated. Interesting.
0: So let's hit restart and pretend that, um, we're going to wipe the slate clean in terms of how the press is covering Trump, especially Trump, um, and his illness and all the other people in the white house who are infected. What's the best practice for, uh, for your colleagues in the medical profession who are going on the air and also for... Journalists, especially on television, that are dealing with these people, yeah. like, what what should we not do, or what should we do that we're not doing? Yeah,
1: you know, I, I think it starts even before that. It starts with the way the information is released, right? Because I think we probably all agree that some some level of specificity or of level of detail here is really in the public interest, right? It shouldn't be a secret. Um, the health of the president, the health of the joint chiefs, is something that is relevant and important. Um, the degree of detail you go into, you know, is maybe debatable. I don't I don't think it's important to know every last finding of every last blood test. It might not be relevant. Um, but for my colleagues, I think there really is that Goldwater line a little bit. It is really important to get good information out there. Um, and that means being trustworthy and trusted and offering expert informational explanatory background as best we can. Um, with the understanding that there's some there's some trust in the bank here right for physicians like when I, I you know I'm I happen to be sitting here at my my dad's house in New Jersey with my dad and my aunt and my stepmom and they're asking me really similar questions right mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the the degree of trust that you have at the kitchen table kind of has to do with the degree of trust you know physicians have in general mm-hmm. um, and I think to see a physician on um, you know, like some of the headlines we've seen, you know, doctor says roid rage is possible, kind of undermines that trust a little bit.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think it's okay to ask the tough questions. Uh, and, and frankly, I think it's okay for a reporter to ask a physician, you know, what do you think is going to happen? Mm-hmm. That said, um, those of us that are acting as experts probably need to keep in mind that this is not a patient that we, that we know all the details about. And that, and that the way we frame that story can serve um, other motives, right? The way you frame that story, yeah. you know, a, a very, very respected, you know, academic physician, got up and, you know, five or six news outlets the other day within a 24-hour period and made it very clear that President Trump has a 10% chance of dying, you uh-huh. know, based on, based on the, you know, he's a, he's a male and he's obese and he's 70 something and he mm-hmm. got oxygen and. If you run those numbers, the mortality is 10%. Yeah. Well, that may be true. That That is somewhat epidemiologically factual. But there's a subtext to that, too. There's a message being delivered there. And I think people need to be really cautious of it.
0: Would you ever tell a patient that? If, if they fit all those criteria?
1: Yeah. I mean, me, me. that's not something I like to do personally. Because, again, like I don't think I'm that smart. Uh, I think it's fair to say... Yeah, you know, 10% of the people in your boat have a really bad outcome. Yeah. Um, that's that's important news to know. But yeah. when you're dealing with an individual patient, a single person, then there are so many other factors that come into play. Um, you know, and, and President Trump is a prime example. You know, 74-year-olds with COVID and hypertension and obesity may have a 10% mortality rate. But frankly, when they're surrounded by, you know, a team of physicians at Walter Reed Army Hospital, that number is probably a little bit lower. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so there's a little bit of misleading, a little bit of misleading information there.
0: Do you expect to see, or to see people come in to your ER who are COVID patients who are gonna say, I want that stuff that Donald Trump got. Is that happening? Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I expect it. I have not seen that myself. But we have seen that phenomenon many, many times. Um, You know, the number of visits we had for chest pain at Columbia after Bill Clinton had his uh, catheterization was astronomical. Mm -hmm. Um, People absolutely pay attention to the news. They pay attention to the care that people are getting. They pay attention to um, what happens to them and by all means show up and ask for the same thing, you know. The
0: NDA. Have you heard about this? Um, that um, that you, know, you you remember Trump took this sort of mysterious trip to uh, Walter Reed a year ago, right? And Didn't right. really tell people what it was. Um, he apparently this reporting just came out today that he asked everybody who came in contact with him from his attending physicians to people in more kind of service roles to sign an NDA. Um yeah. And in fact, apparently, a couple of doctors refused and weren't on
1: the team. Um, right. Have you? What do you make
0: of that? And have you heard of anything? Have you ever heard of
1: anything? Like that? It's such a it's such a business frame for that interaction, right? We're I think that that's such a weird way to put it, um, right. because we, by all means, you know, there's in, in there's terms really of confidentiality, figure, rules, right, right, right. Like this is this is a public figure, and you know, we kind of all agree that. It's important. Some of this important is, is in, information is important in the public good, but there is there is doctor-patient confidentiality, right? right? And to to frame it in terms of a non-disclosure agreement, make first of all makes it very business-like, which I guess is not surprising. Um, but maybe that's besides the point a little bit. You know, I think again, the health of the president is an important. It's a news story. Um, whether or not the person who, you know, cleans the room tells TMZ that they were doing some procedure, right? Like that's bad, no matter what you sign. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure how how different a legally binding instrument would be there.
0: No, yeah, but if, I think your your point is that he comes from the world of business, and that's, a, that's what that's what you right. do. That's what you do when you're doing the right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I don't need do this. Amanda, do you have any do you have anything you want to ask Chris? Oh, you mean because of me? Yeah, Amanda got got COVID and was, uh-huh. was one of those long term, long what do you call them, long haulers. Oh boy, I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh well, I'm I'm much better now. Good. Like I'm I am definitely traumatized by the way this yeah. was handled handled the first time yeah. around. Yeah. Um, and just the madness of those weeks, being like, this math doesn't add up. Our kids shouldn't be right. in school. You know, our, we shouldn't be riding the subway. Like. Why, are, right. why is no one being checked when they come in from JFK they just come straight right. into the city right. Right. um and to me it feels
1: similar again does it feel
0: re-traumatizing like that? yeah oh yeah. Yeah, yeah terribly
1: re-traumatizing it's you know it's it's so it, first of all it's a tragedy it's an avoidable tragedy we you know it it's something that, you know, my colleagues and I went through in March and April that, frankly, I have no interest whatsoever in going through again. And this time around, there's there's a little bit of culpability to it, right? Like we were blindsided in March. We didn't mm-hmm. know what was coming. But right. now we kind of do. And now there's a, I, I have to be completely frank with you. When I, you know, see a COVID patient in the ER this week, um, you know, a very small part of me is thinking, all right, well, I'm at risk. I'm an emergency physician. I understand that, right? Like I assume some degree of risk going into the field I went into, but you know what? My kids are at risk because I'm at risk. My, my, my parents who are in their seventies are at risk because I'm at risk. And, and I'm in this room because, you know, you went to a bar yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. and that, uh, you know, that is not a very, um, socially sensitive way to approach it and by all means i would hate to think it influences the care i give people but let's be honest that thought's in there somewhere
0: hmm.
1: That's interesting. yeah you know yeah. um and, and we'll see how it shakes out over the next couple of weeks
0: well if it gets really bad it'll get obviously get much broader than that I and mean, then people who yeah. are actually trying to do everything right will get swept up right
1: we'll see check back yeah
0: so this sort of contradicts everything we've just said for the last 25 minutes, but huh. what do you think Trump's, what, what, what do you think, what, what path do you think Trump is on? With the Medically? Yeah.
1: Well, now that we've got that all out, you know. Yeah, now yeah, now that way, we've so. decided that it's an unethical <laughs> conversation, let's have it. Um, I mean, look, <laughs> ob- ob- objectively, uh, it's been almost a week, right? We know, as we've heard in the in the news over and over, um, that Day eight, day nine of the illness is oftentimes kind of the deciding thing for us. By all, you know, public indications, he's doing quite well, yeah. although I don't know what his oxygen saturation is any more than any other member of the public. Yeah. Um, I think that he's, out, He's you know, we've, we've gone along a road over the last week that has not been particularly morbid, thankfully, or mm-hmm. particularly dramatic. Um, he's gotten more attention and pharmaceuticals than most people in his situation mm-hmm. and i think they probably work to some degree mm-hmm. you know um now there are there are 15 or 20 other people in that white house with with similar infections mm-hmm. and so i think only time will tell over the next two weeks what the course of what the course of those will be
0: yeah Well, Chris, thank you so much. It's great to talk to you. You can read Chris Kodeshi's piece on all this in CJR. Keep an eye out for it in the coming days. In the meantime, keep an eye on us for our continuing coverage of the coverage of Trump and his diagnosis at cjr.org and through our daily email. today. Thanks for listening. See you next week.